Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Alex Grodnick. Alex runs the Moving Up podcast, which lives on Wall Street Oasis and is also the co founder of the fintech startup Pay Club. He's a millennial and is focused on that age group and Gen Y and Z, but the topics we're going to discuss today, you will hear are also relevant for relaunchers. Alex, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Hey Carol, thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for being here. And before we get started with our content for today, I wanna know if you can give our listeners a little bit of context and tell us what Wall Street Oasis is and the Moving Up podcast and how they fit together. Sure. So Wall Street Oasis is a financial forum. It's been around for close to 12 years now, and it's pretty much the go-to place for people early in their careers trying to break into investment banking, private equity, hedge funds. And when I was in business school two years ago, I started a podcast. Called, it's now called Moving Up. And the founder of Wall Street Oasis, he heard the podcast and he said, this is great. I've, I've been wanting a podcast. Why don't we uh, team up and you can have your podcast come live on my website and we can try to increase the listenership for it. And, uh, and really what the podcast covers is kind of the ups and downs of a career journey, the successes, the failures, uh, and speaking with really, truly immensely successful individuals. I mean, founders of Facebooks and Google's Gmail and uh, big time venture capitalists and private equity investors. So, uh, trying to key in on what set these individuals apart in their journeys. You know, I should have mentioned I'm I'm actually a longtime fan of Wall Street Oasis. I started in uh, investment management and then moved on to investment banking in my own career, and ultimately ended up in an arm of a private equity company. So. I, I'm very interested in all the content that you put out and the advice that you give people, even though I'm much later in my career, how you uh, advise people through that through the Wall Street Oasis site. And I'm really excited about your podcast, too, and to know about it so I can start listening to that uh, more and more frequently. So thank you for giving us the background. Can you talk a little bit about your own career history and what led you to be the co-founder of PayClub? Yeah, so my background was I worked in investment banking for uh, for a bunch of years, and it's it's funny, Carol, because pretty much my entire life, I I pretty I kind of wanted that investment banking job. I mean, growing up, I grew up in Park City, Utah, and I was a really entrepreneurial kid. I was starting businesses and selling things door to door, and really just kind of had my hands in a, in a lot of stuff. And that was clearly what I was put on the earth. To do my entire family's entrepreneurs, parents, 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 everyone, uh, aunts, uncles, and uh, and it's funny, but somewhere along the way, I let kind of society's expectations and wants and dreams kind of infiltrate what I should be doing, and so that's when I started learning about investment banking and these prestigious jobs um, that society puts a lot of value on. Uh, that really never really was quite right for me. So basically, I went to college out on the East Coast, and just everything was focused on getting that investment banking job. I got it. I was making lots of money my first year out of school. I mean, you get paid a lot, like they pay a 
first year graduate, six figures. And, uh, and so like all the signs are pointing to that, like everything is good. You're doing the right thing. You're working hard. You're getting paid a lot. People value what you're doing. Um, but for me, Carol, uh, a funny moment happened when I'm doing this job and I'm working long hours into the night until two, three o'clock in the morning. And like, I realized I don't, I don't like this. And so that was a very weird moment where I said, well, this is something I've worked my entire life to get. I don't necessarily know that I want to be doing it. And then I was a little, a little lost for, uh, for a period. And that led me to go to business school and in business school, I had kind of a, a light bulb moment in, in one of my courses. It was a leadership development class and the professor had us write down times when he said, when you're feeling like your authentic self. And he said, the way I want you to do this is think of your life as a, as a movie. And like, you know, as you're rewinding through the DVD of your life, look for times when you felt what particularly motivated, inspired, strong, energetic, you know, happy, feeling like your, your brain is, is really working and write down those times. And so fine, I'm going through all these points of my life and looking at the list afterwards Every single one of them was when I was doing one of those startups growing up. And so it became very, very clear, like, what am I doing chasing all these jobs that society says are so important when really I just got to be an entrepreneur. And, uh, and so from that point forward, I started to kind of re-energize that entrepreneurial business creation muscle, which you know isn't really used that much in, in the corporate world and especially in, in investment banking. And I started a couple of different businesses and I started the podcasting business and I started a, uh, a new mobile bank. It's a fintech startup called Pay Club where we allow, we built a platform that allows you to create shared bank accounts, you know, from two people to 200 people uh, to have insights into collection and and spending money. So that's been really interesting. The podcast has been really interesting. Um, But basically the past two years since, since finishing up business school, I've, um, I've really been getting my, you know, rolling up my sleeves and getting back into the uh, startup world, which has been very, very cool for me. Well, that is fascinating, and it actually leads me into the first topic that I want to explore a little more with you, Alex, and that is chasing prestige, because you alluded to it. Um, It's something that we talk about with relaunchers, because, you know, relaunchers have their first part of their career, and then we have our career breaks, and then we relaunch our career subsequent to that. And we often say that the career break can be a gift because it's the first time we allow ourselves to step back and reflect on whether we were on the right career path to begin with. And sometimes we find, as, as, you, as you're talking about in your own story, that we're fulfilling someone else's expectations. It's maybe our parents or maybe it's society's expectation first time around. And then the second time around, we want to do something that is uniquely suited for who we are and what what we really want to do. So can you talk about that prestige piece a little bit um, and this chasing prestige and what you mean by that and how strong of a force do you think that that is on the younger generations? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, really in your career, there's, there's kind of two paths you can take. There's the path that society says you should take, you know, this is going and becoming doctors, lawyers, like someone who grows up and their parents are lawyers. It's like, oh, I don't really have a choice. I'm going to go, going to go do that. Whether it's right or wrong for me, I have no clue. That's just what I'm destined to do. And, and, uh, and that's an easy path to get caught up on. You know, it's easy to follow what other people are doing, what our friends are doing, what our 
people you know within our same class of college or our coworkers that's the that's the easy path the more difficult path and you know I argue the more rewarding path is the one that requires some self-reflection and deep thinking and really understanding who you are and, and why you are uh, a certain way. And, you know, as I was chasing this investment banking job, I knew that I, I liked starting businesses and being an entrepreneur, but I didn't really know it to the extent that like that was made up who I was. And so as I was working in a very, very defined role in the, you know, as an analyst and associate in the investment bank, the job is very, very defined. They said, Alex, this is what I want you to do. You're going to build financial models and PowerPoint presentations. And, and I would always be coming up with new and creative ways to do things. And, and that was never valued there. They never, they never, they said, Alex, like, stop doing that. This is, this is your job. Right. And, and I just thought, oh, like, I'm not good at this job or like, I'm not good at taking direction. I never knew why. And then leaving that job, going to business school, this was the time where I had the opportunity to reflect and figure out oh, that's, that's why I didn't, I didn't like doing that job, or this is why I am, I am the way I am. And so that's a, uh, that's a, difficult, a difficult process, and you know, it, it's, uh, it doesn't come easy. If it does come easy for you, then, then you're very fortunate. But most of the time, we just kind of go through life and saying, oh, like society puts a lot of, of uh, importance on getting one of these jobs. It pays you lots of money and has prestige and power, and so like, you just, you just kind of go along and do those things. And maybe you get that job and it's, it's great for you and it works out. And if that's the case, then awesome. Um, but if it's not the case, then you need to figure out what is right for you and, and where that intersection of what your, who you are and what you're passionate about uh, collides with a career or, uh, or job that, that you can get. Right. And I guess I, I do want to interject here that there are people – fall into three categories when they're relaunching. There are some people who were in that investment banking or what or marketing or whatever career they were in pre-career break. And it was the perfect match for them right from the get-go. And they returned to exactly what they left. Uh, there are some people who loved what they were doing before, but something about it they have to tweak because it's not compatible with their life stage right now. And then there is this third category of people who realize they were not on the right career path to begin with for whatever reason. I mean, it could be they were chasing prestige. It could be they just fell into something without a lot of uh, thinking because, you know, when you just get out of school, you, you got to try a lot of things and some people are more strategic than others. So, uh, you know, there are um, plenty of people who return to exactly what they left or identify that they want to do something in this case, you know, this industry sector on Wall Street or financial services. And we actually, interestingly, interestingly, Wall Street and financial services are leaders in formal return to work programs. And we've had some amazing success stories of people going back uh, to those programs. So I just want to acknowledge that as we're having this conversation. Um, but getting back to, to this, uh, con this concept of chasing prestige, I think it's so powerful um, having kids of my own that are, are in their 20s and early uh, in their careers. The, the force that and the impact that that has on our younger um, generation, uh, millennials and, and the generation uh, coming after them, uh, and the, this idea that you can step back and reflect and figure out that maybe you should be taking a different path. And you know, in your case, you had your business school experience to sort of 
um, refocus uh, and and put you in in that new direction. Even though it sounds like you identified that this was an issue for yourself before, um, it's really important to have. It's either from a career break or, or educational experience, or maybe you do a job transition after you know thinking this through for a long period of time, but not quitting your day job. Um, that you have this opportunity to make this pivot or or uh, you, you know move to to something that is exactly what you should be suited for. And you know the other thing though is sometimes people you were fortunate in that you knew from the beginning that there were experiences you had going back to when you were very young, right? That that pointed you in this direction. Some people don't discover that until later in life. Yeah, I mean, I didn't discover it till I was twenty eight years old. It uh, it's not easy. Like the way our brains are programmed, these 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 uh, instances don't just present themselves. You have to kind of you know, whatever your process is of going back and reflecting and therapy or the exercise that I'm describing. Um, but really what the time that I spent in business school or similarly, the time that you spend out of the workforce, like these are times in your life that allow for that sort of deep reflection and understanding of, you know, what type of person you actually are. And so, you know, I'm a huge proponent of like taking a period like that. Uh, it's a, you know, People say business school is very, it's like a selfish thing. It's a selfish two years to go do it and spend lots of money. It's amazing. I mean, the same thing with taking time off. I wouldn't say it's selfish, but it's a, it's an amazing opportunity uh, that, that you can have for yourself and you can really discover, you know, what you're put on this earth to be doing. Right. And, you know, uh, there usually these career breaks are precipitated by something that has nothing to do with, you know, a period of exploration and redirection. But that is becomes part of the experience, um, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. Um, let me just remind those listeners who are tuning in right now that you are listening to 321i Relaunch. And this is your host, Carol Fishman Cohen. I'm speaking with Alex Grodnick who runs the Moving Up podcast, which lives on Wall Street Oasis, and is also the co-founder of the fintech startup Pay Club. And we're now moving into the, the um, next topic that, that I really want to explore with you, and that is something that you called rejection therapy. Can you talk a little bit about that, what that means and why you thought of it and, and give us a little context? Yeah, absolutely, and this is something I, I think will be very, very relevant to uh, to the listeners of this of this podcast. But you know, when you're afraid of something, there's what's called exposure therapy. So, say you're afraid of spiders, right? Like, I tell you, if you Carol, if you go live in the rainforest for six months and you're around spiders nonstop, you come back to your house in Boston or New York or Los Angeles and you see tiny little spiders running around, they're going to be, they're going to be meaningless to you. You're not going to be afraid of them anymore because you're going to have desensitized yourself to the fear of them. Same thing is true of germs. Like you're afraid of germs. I'll tell you every day, if you go touch some door handle or you hold the, hold the railing on an escalator that over time, you're going to start to see, Hey, I'm still alive. I'm not sick. Like maybe germs aren't so bad. The exact thing is true of rejection. Every single human's brain is pre-programmed to be afraid of getting rejection, getting rejected. That's just natural. That's that. That's who we are. You know, in in evolutionary context, if like you get rejected, like you starve, or you know, you get you get eaten by a lion. So so no one wants to put themselves out there in these awkward positions to to hear no. So we all kind of go through life trying to purposefully avoid hearing no, and that's a 
terrible way to, to go through life. If you're not putting yourself out there and asking for things and applying yourself, then you're never, ever going to get anything good. And so what rejection therapy is, is you, through exposure, exposure to rejection, you desensitize yourself to the fear of it. So what does that mean? Uh, it means you start really, really small and you ask people for a high five or a stick of gum or to borrow a dollar. My favorite thing to ask for, and it's really easy, uh, you ask for a discount when you're buying something. So I used to, uh, there was a lunch place across the street from my office and every single day I would ask for a discount on my turkey sandwich and every single day they would say, no, we can't do that. And so mission accomplished. I, I, I You get the, the rejection. But uh, surprisingly enough, if you're out there in the world asking for discounts, Carol, uh, I would say probably half the time you end up getting a discount. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny. I got a discount at, uh, at Bloomingdale's a, a couple weeks ago buying a uh, buying a sweater. But that's that that's good and bad because you got a discount, but you didn't get rejected. So you need to seek out a, a different rejection for the day. So the way that it it kind of works is you just try to get rejected at least you know once a day for for thirty days, and as you're going through this process. 30 days is not that long, but by day like four or five, you're all, all, all of a sudden starting to get a lot more confidence and you're not afraid to start asking for things. And you're asking for, you know, pretty non, uh, non-important things, things that are, that are easy to ask for. But what that does is it builds your confidence and it allows you to start progressively asking for more and more important things. So you're asking for discounts on sandwiches or to cut lines or something. And, uh, and after days or maybe one week, you're able to ask for more money at work, promotions at work, someone to go out on a date with you, you know, things that like you actually want. And all of that is accomplished uh, by starting off kind of small baby steps, working your way up to, to asking for more and more uh, important things. And so the idea here, and of course, this is for people early in their career, as well as for relaunchers is when you're a job seeker and you're applying to lots of roles, you get lots and lots of rejection. And, and you know, it can, it can really do a number on you over time and demoralize you and make you think that it's personal and, uh, you know, produce a lot of negative feedback. Um, and especially when it feels so consistent and it's sometimes when it can be over an extended period of time. So you're saying that you, intentionally get yourself in these situations, even though initially they're minor, where, you know, you ask if you can cut in line or get a discount and, and people are like, no, you know, actually, or, or every so often people will say, oh, okay, just because you asked and then you'll get a surprise. And you're saying that um, that even that level of rejection, if done on a regular basis, um, conditions you to be a little bit more immune to it when the stakes are higher. Yeah, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. And you're totally right. As you're out seeking jobs, I mean, you're going to get hundreds of notes. I mean, maybe dozens or, I mean, I had to get hundreds when I was trying to get those prestigious jobs. And I've gotten many, many, many more hundreds now raising capital for my startup. But if I ever let, if I ever internalized that and said, oh, this is like, you know, society saying that this is not going to work, people are saying this is not going to work, then you're like, you're never going to break through. There's never going to be a big outcome for you. That's why startup outcomes can be so incredibly huge because the world's against you. And if you internalize that and say, oh, like this is never going to work, then you're right. It's never going to work. But if you instead take the opposite approach that says, well, each no that I get just 
gets me one step closer to a yes, then that's the way to that's the way to do it. So as you're as you're going through this uh, through this rejection process, uh, you get a couple of added benefits. You know, obviously you're going to get confidence. Uh, the other piece is you're going to get humility because you're going to start to see that no one really cares that you're out there asking for things, right? Like we're all so caught up in thinking about ourselves and, and how do I look and is this question that I'm asking, is it stupid or is this a good question? When in reality, everyone else is also thinking so much about themselves that like they're rarely devoting time to be thinking about you. So as you're asking a job recruiter for a job or a question, they'll answer the question and then they're going to forget about it. Like we all are so concerned, like, is this a good hair day or a bad hair day for, for me? When was the last time you ever even looked at someone else and said, oh, they're having a bad hair day? Never. Like you just, you just don't, you don't think about that when you're, uh, you know, sitting in a classroom and you're asking a question and you're racking your brain. Oh, what is everyone else going to think about this question? No one is even going to remember that you asked the question in, in 30 seconds from now. Same thing of asking for these things in life, asking for jobs or promotions or discounts, whatever it is. People, people just don't care. Um, so you get the sense of humility on top of the confidence. And then the last one I alluded to it is you start to see the world in a really positive light because on your quest for no's and rejection, you end up getting a lot of yeses. And it just kind of affirms that people are really good and they want to help you and they want to go out of their way if they can. You just have to ask. You just have to put yourself out there. And so as I go through my life, you know, ask, seeking out these rejections, I've had so many like inspiring stories of people telling me, yes, like, you know, come back into the kitchen of the steak restaurant and see where we cook the steaks. And I was walking by a film set a couple weeks ago and I said, can I, you know, yell action on the film set? And they handed me the slate and I clipped the, the board. And this was like a, a huge movie. Um, yeah. I, huh. I, uh, so, so you end up like getting all these, all these cool things and it's just like, wow, well, what was I doing before? Not, you know, applying myself in the world. Right. Wow. I guess um, it it just it makes you braver, and and it and it, and it makes you I I don't know. I I, I guess you have uh, fewer qualms about stepping forward. And I'm just I'm trying to think about whether this kind of advice would come as naturally to people who are older. If you think there's anything age related or if it are if it's really the same no matter what age you are and it's just an issue of human nature. I mean yes, all human brains are are wired this way. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean certainly like you can get away with more things, you know, when you're 16 years old asking for dumb things, right? That's different from a 60-year-old asking for something, but it's still this it's still the exact same principle. You're going to boost your confidence and after you walk away from asking someone for a discount, in 20 seconds they're not going to remember that you asked them for a discount. So it, it really it's getting yourself outside of your your little um, turtle shell, outside your comfort zone and applying for things, you know, applying for jobs, asking for for uh, for more responsibility at work. Like these things don't come easy. No one likes walking into their boss's office and say, hey, can I have a $10,000 raise? And I'm not saying it's going to be easy because you've asked for a discount on your sandwich, but it's it's going to be easier and you're going to be less afraid to hear no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to really think about that one and uh, talk to our relaunchers and we'll see how people put that into action. But I really like it. 
Um, and then one, one other thing that I've heard you talk about is when you say no young people have a grand plan except putting themselves in the right place and seeing what happens now. Um, can you explain that a little bit more, where, like where that came from? Yeah. Uh, I kind of think it's the main takeaway of my podcast. I've done close to 100 episodes now. And like I said, I've had on like really some of the most accomplished people in the entire world. I mean, the biggest investors from Silicon Valley and incredible startups and big companies and small companies. And uh, and if I had to carve it down into one theme that all of these people share, it's that no one wakes up and is like, oh, I'm, I'm born to start Facebook today, right? Like they go through their lives, they work hard, they put themselves in good opportunities. And for people that are hardworking, good people, the universe has a way of sorting itself out. And that's a very encouraging message. Uh, if you don't know what you should be doing or don't know if you're on the right path, uh, you know, someone also said on my podcast that, you know, we're going to be living till we're 100 years old, right? Maybe more. I tell my wife I'm going to live till I'm 200 years old. But <laughs> how how long is a career going to be for someone living to 100 years old? 60 years? 70 years maybe? Like to think of a period of your career, of a couple year period of your career as like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Is this the best use of my time, resources? That's crazy. The only thing you can do is learn every day, get smarter every day, get more connections and experience and network every day, get healthier every day. And those sorts of activities will pay dividends across a career that's spanning 50, 60, 70, 100 years. That's all you can do. Right. And I, I'm just thinking about uh, how this is so relevant for relaunchers, in part because we in addition to, we talked about, you know, fulfilling other people's expectations or society's expectations when we first start out, sometimes we do just fall into something because of some random job that we take and then we take another job in that same field and the next thing you know, we have a career and we weren't strategic at all about picking what that career was in the first place. So there's that piece to know that there is this randomness to the process and that's why when you're coming out of your uh, career break, you can be more intentional about going in a different direction because you've learned so much, you're older, uh, you're in a later stage of life, uh, and you can apply all of that thinking to what your relaunch is going to look like. Um, so so I, I'm thinking about it um, from that perspective, and I'm also thinking about it uh, from even though you are going to be intentional and move forward with whatever direction you've now determined for yourself, there still is this element to it. There is a randomness to it, even with the intentionality that, that you don't know when you land in whatever this new uh, job is or wherever you're exploring, that there might be something that happens unexpectedly that causes you then to make an additional decision that impacts your job choice at the at uh, the time of relaunch. Yep, I mean, nobody knows anything, Carol. Look at the look at the stock market. The smartest, highest paid people in the entire universe are there trying to pick the companies that are going to outperform, and, and they, they can't do it. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, that's just a great metaphor for your career. And yes, if you've had the, the uh, opportunity to take some time off, reflect what you want to be doing, what you're good at doing, what you should be doing, awesome. 
and you can apply rejection therapy. Go ask for some uh, for some simple things, and uh, and then you know combining that self actualization with not being afraid of of hearing no. You should be a, a pretty lethal soldier going out and uh, and accomplishing what you what you want to get done. Hmm. Well, that's a great way to wrap it up. Um, Alex, I want to ask you one more question, and we ask this question to all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Yeah, Carol, it's it's simple. It's that you're never going to get what you don't ask for. So put yourself out there, ask for things, succeed, fail, learn, and uh, and you'll be well suited for a long career. That's a great way to wrap up. Um, Alex, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah. And tell us how can people find out more about the Moving Up podcast and about Pay Club? Yeah, you can check out the podcast Moving Up. It's uh, everywhere people listen to podcasts. Uh, And you can email me about Pay Club, alex at payclub.co. And uh, happy to share any more insights from my career or talk about shared bank accounts or podcasting, whatever anyone wants to wants to do. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I'm really interested in the dynamics of shared bank accounts. And so that's something that we can talk about in a separate conversation, Alex, but thanks again for joining us. Okay. Thank you, Carol. Thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.